We are reviewing the first four games of the New York Giants 2021 season. Storylines, surprises, and what to watch in the next few weeks. Coming up next on today's Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. Happy Friday to everybody. Thank you so much for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen of the day. We really appreciate it. And thank you again to everybody who has been signing up as a subscriber, liking the, the channel, liking the videos, giving me feedback on the videos. My gosh, I am absolutely humbled by the response I've gotten from everybody. And I, I so appreciate it. It just makes me want to work even harder than I already do to come up with different types of content that'll keep you coming back here to the Locked on Giants podcast. So anyway, we are going to take a look at the first four games of the Giants season, but we're going to take more of a bigger picture type of scenario here. We're going to look at the top storylines, the surprises, and what to look for in the next few weeks as we go through the month of October. I'm going to talk about the key storylines, the surprises, and what to watch here. I'm going to give you a little overview and let me know what you think. If you agree, disagree, if there's something I missed, drop a comment in the box below if you're watching on YouTube or send me an email, lockedongiantspodcast at gmail.com. That is also in the show notes. So let's jump right in. All right, we're going to start off with the top storylines from the first four games of the Giants season. Now, I tried to narrow this down a little bit rather than look at, um, as opposed to like the one in three record, um, I tried to drill down a little bit. And I think we have to start off with the injury situation. And the thing with the injury situation for the Giants is last year, if you remember, they lost Saquon Barkley in week two, and that was a devastating injury, no question. This year, however, the Giants have lost a lot more guys to devastating injuries, and and for the season, I might add. Blake Martinez to a torn ACL, Shane Lemieux to a knee injury, and by the way, I know head coach Joe Judge said there was a chance he might be back. I'm not counting on him coming back this year. And of course, Nick Gates being lost for the season with the broken leg and Um, his career being a question mark, according to some at any rate. So the injuries have been a big, big factor. Now that said, let's talk about the impact that they've had on the team. I think of the significant injuries I just mentioned, Blake Martinez right now is the one where I would say, I'm not so sure that the Giants have um, filled that spot. I know they've had Tate Crowder in there. They've had Reggie Ragland in there. I still haven't seen enough to say that that spot has been um, completely filled to where I'm not worried about it anymore. So obviously that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, going back to the offensive line, you know, the Giants have lost, um, like I said, Lemieux. I forgot to mention Shay Lemieux. Um, they lost Nick Gates. Um, you know, 
They had two guys retire early on. The Giants have gone through six different offensive line combinations. But here's the thing, folks. The offensive line, which was probably the biggest question mark for this team coming into 2021 outside of Daniel Jones, they haven't been that bad. I mean, they haven't been, you know, all world lights out. But here's the thing. Coming into this season, Andrew Thomas was the key. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle. If that kid hadn't taken a step forward, then what a what probably would have happened is the team would have had to roll coverage help over to him, you know, roll some help over his way, which would have kind of upset the balance of the line a little bit. But Andrew Thomas, who has faced a few, you know, quite a few uh, good matchups so far in the first four games, he's held his own. I mean, the stability in coaching has helped. The fact that he's been primarily healthy has helped. Now he is dealing with a foot ailment. Um, that popped up this week, and he's been limping noticeably, I might add. But um, but he's expected to play unless you know he takes a turn for the worse. But you know, Thomas has been really good, and that has helped the rest of the offensive line because, like I said, they don't have to put extra help over on that side. And in fact, Saquon Barkley and the running game, most of the running yardage has come from the left side of the offensive line. So that's speaks to the the t- job that Andrew Thomas has done playing next to, I might add, um, one t- Lemieux, Gates, Bredesen, play next to four different uh, left guards. So kudos to, to um, Andrew Thomas and that offensive line. Really the only thing, the only disappointment there on the offensive line, if we're, if we're you know, looking for nitpicks, is that Matt Parrott didn't step in and grab that right tackle job which of course went to Nate Solder. Now, what's interesting is with the Giants having signed Isaiah Wilson to their practice squad, the hope there is that Wilson will develop and be able to take that right tackle spot next year when Solder moves on. And you know they're just going to have to figure out where Pert's going to fit into the uh, in, into the equation. Is he going to move to right guard? You know, in anticipation that maybe Will Hernandez might not be back. I don't know, but. I think that's the long-term plan right now, but that's subject to change. So, all right. So we have injuries. We just talked about injuries. Saquon returns. That's another big story we talked about. And again, on Giants Country, I have an article. Actually, uh, Coach Gene Clemens wrote an article about how we know Saquon Barkley is all the way back. So I'm not going to spoil that one. That one should be up by the time um, you guys see this particular podcast or hear it. Um, that's article scheduled to drop 8 a.m. on Giants Country. But the fact that Saquon Barkley was there week one, there was some talk about potentially holding Saquon Barkley out for the first couple of weeks because, you know, we talk about the timing of the injury and how long a guy missed and all that. And even though Saquon Barkley was injured in week two of last year, um, he technically didn't have his surgery until I think it was early November or it was either late October, early November. So really you start the clock on how long the guy is, his rehab lasts um, effective when he has the surgery. So Barkley made it back technically in less than a year. And he has looked very, very good in his return. So kudos to him and kudos to the Giants for being patient with him and just spacing this out and bringing him along slowly so as to not, um, you know, 
put him at risk. And then our final story uh, storyline, again, I mentioned the offensive line. I mentioned the injuries and the fact that they've had six different combinations. Kudos to Rob Sale. Rob Sale, this is his first year as an NFL offensive line coach. And the Giants, remember, threw a lot of resources towards that offensive line in terms of coaching. Rob Sale, who joins uh, Ben Wilkerson, the assistant offensive line coach. Pat Flaherty was brought in. Freddie Kitchens was reassigned to help with that unit. Um, I think to an extent, Sean Spencer's helping a little bit from the defensive perspective, you know, what the, what they can help, you know, do better and whatnot. So the, the resources the Giants put towards that offensive line, very promising. Again, that line is not all world, like, you know, the Dallas lines of, of uh, a few years ago, but that line also hasn't been such a disaster to leave to leave us saying, oh my God, we're in trouble. So kudos again to the offensive line for withstanding the struggles and the losses. And, you know, look, they still have a ways to go. They still have to batten down the hatches when it comes to facing stunts and twists, but they're headed in the right direction after four games. All right, Giant fans, we have much more coming up here on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. When you open an account and use our special promo code NFL100, you will get a 100% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Again, that's code NFL100 for your 100% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. My name is Patricia Trena. We are looking at storylines, surprises, and then what to expect over the next few weeks here on today's show. And we are going to take a look at three surprises. These are things that I found surprising. Now, you may agree, you may disagree. That's fine. That's what this is all about. So here are my top three surprises to emerge from the first four weeks of the Giants 2021 season. First on my list is how long it took for Kadarius Toney to get involved in the offense. Now, I get it. That's a coaching decision. That's not up to the kid. But week after week in the beginning part of the season, we would ask Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, about Kadarius Toney. And every week, it was pretty much the same answer. Garrett would remind us that Tony missed a lot of training camp practice practices because of COVID, because of the hamstring injury he had and all that stuff. And he needed to catch up. But then I go back to the early part of uh, the season when Ty Tolbert, the receivers coach, basically told the reporters that Tony was his star pupil in the classroom, that whenever a question came up or a challenge he always knew to keep that he could count on Tony to deliver the right answer. So something wasn't quite adding up. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because Sterling Shepard was the slot receiver or is the slot receiver on this team. And he had a solid summer and that continued into the start of the season. And then, of course, he unfortunately had the hamstring strain. And then Tony got plugged in. And guess what? Tony. You saw against the Saints what this kid can bring, despite the fact that he's not 
you know, that he's not as accomplished a receiver as Shepard. And by that, I mean, he hasn't been playing the position as long as Shepard has. All right. So the Giants get Tony involved in the offense. And not only do we see some of the gadget plays, you know, there was that one play where he looked like he was going to attempt a pass, but then he wisely brought it down and, and kept it a throwback to his high school football days at when he was a quarterback. But uh, the kid just watching him in the open field and how he was causing defensive backs to break ankles, really. I mean, it was it was just so exciting. You could see the electrifying speed and quickness and change of direction that this kid has. And you just wonder, you know, what were the coaches waiting for, you know, to get him involved? So now he's involved. Shepard may or may not be back this week. I have a feeling Shepard won't play this weekend, but uh, you never know if he starts to feel better, he might be back. But what happens when he does come back? Does he lose snaps to the kid in the slot? My guess is he will. And it um, should have happened all along. But, you know, like I said, a surprise. So, all right. The next surprise for me, the downfield passing game. Now, go back to last year. And let's talk about this for a second here. Last year, the offensive line protection was like Swiss cheese. You never knew where the pressure was going to come. The Giants had no playmakers who could get open, um, who could separate on a regular basis, and thus they weren't able to really attempt a lot of deep passes. Now, I always talk about, and I mentioned this, I believe, on yesterday's show, that a good NFL receiver with decent speed should be able to get open for a deeper pass route in about two seconds. The Giants really didn't have that. So... When we look at the deep downfield passing game and why that has kind of taken off a little bit, look at number one, Daniel Jones and the step forwards he's taken in his development. This is year two in this offense, right? He's a lot more comfortable. He's making quicker reads. And above all, he's making better decisions with the ball in his hands. Two very important things he wasn't doing necessarily last year. The speed, I mentioned the speed at receiver, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, and John Ross. I mean, I went back and I looked at um, the, the uh, average separation for those guys in the Saints game, and I think those numbers were amongst the highest I've ever seen for receivers um, on the Giants in a game. And those stats, by the way, are available on Next Gen Stats if you want to check that out. Um, we can also talk about the offensive line and the job that they've done, which I've mentioned before. And we've also got to give kudos to Jason Garrett because, you know, Jason Garrett, you could say what you want about him. You know, people have said he's too vanilla. He's too conservative, you know, and to be fair to Jason Garrett, sometimes you don't know if what you're seeing with a play call is the quarterback audible out of what was originally called. And the Giants will never tell us if there was an audible call or whatnot, unless of course it's a spectacular play that works. So that said, you wonder how much of Jason Garrett was limited by the talent he didn't have last year versus finding what he had this year, getting the, those guys, you know, the holidays, the Tonys, et cetera, getting those guys to shake off the rust and getting them more involved. So I think all those factors combined have helped to set up 
the deep ball. And I also want to mention the threat of Daniel Jones being able to run, you know, that the deep ball um, has helped the running game. So now you don't have stacked boxes against the Giants. Now defenses have to to, uh, account for Daniel Jones as a runner. They have to account for Saquon Barkley as a runner. They have to account for, you know, those trick gadget plays if, um, if Kadarius Toney is used as a runner. So there's many more angles now to this offense, many more dimensions that weren't there last year. And I think Jason Garrett having a little bit wider of a toolbox has been able to capitalize on that. Now, again, I'm just going off of one game here, but if they can continue to build on that, then I have a feeling that some of the heat that's under Jason Garrett's seat might start to subside a little bit. We'll see. We'll definitely see. And the final surprise, where is the pass rush? All right. Now, if I had told you that this year, a pass rushing arsenal of Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence up front, Aziz Ojulari, Lorenzo Carter, and O'Shane Simenez on the edges, and cornerbacks James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson would only have six sacks in four games? Would you believe me? I know I wouldn't. And by the way, I mentioned the cornerbacks because the coverage is just as much as responsible for the, uh, the for the guys' plays up front. Because if they're not holding their coverage, then the guys up front are probably going to have no chance of getting to the quarterback. So anyway, the Giants have a 4.0 sack percentage rate, which is 29th in the league. They've had trouble getting home with the pass rush. Now, we talk about sacks. That's the ultimate goal. It is not the be-all, end-all goal. You want to get hits. You want to get hurries. You want to move the quarterback off his spot. The Giants haven't even been doing that with the pass rush. And for proof of that, I went and I looked up the average time to throw by the quarterbacks they have faced. And with one exception, Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke, uh, who had less than, I think, he had less than two and a half seconds to throw the ball. Every quarterback the Giants have faced so far in the first four games had at least 2.63 seconds to throw to as much as 3.05 seconds, that being Teddy Bridgewater in week one of the Denver Broncos. Think about it. Three seconds to throw, that's an eternity for a quarterback. That means the pass rush isn't even getting close to the quarterback to get a sniff of the guy. So that to me has been a surprise because I really thought that pass rush, I'm not saying it would, you know, the sacks would have come in in droves, but at least get some pressure, at least, you know, cut, get the the quarterbacks that you're facing to throw the ball in, you know, less than 2.5 seconds. That means you're getting home, that you're moving them off a spot. And that just hasn't happened. And that's surprising. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors, all covered in authentic milk chocolate. And um, they have limited-time flavors available as well, available in nut and nut-free varieties. When you visit BuiltBar.com, you can get 15% off your first order with our special promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your first order from BuiltBar.com. 
All right, Giant fans, you've got Patricia Trainer here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day or your first watch if you're on YouTube. And we are talking about storylines, surprises, and what to watch in the weeks ahead. So now let's talk about what to watch. All right. First up, potential trades. Now, I go back to something that John Mara said in the spring about how he, you know, when it came to certain players that were that walked away in free agency, how there was sort of a regret of sorts, not just because the guys left, but because the Giants didn't get anything really, you know, in return for those guys when they walked out the door. You know, you think back to Landon Collins, for example, when he left via free agency, the Giants had to wait over a year before they were able to cash in with an extra third round draft pick for having lost him. And if you're trying to rebuild a team, that is not the way to do it. That's just not the way to do it. So let's talk about great prospects that the Giants might be looking to move. And these are all guys, uh, most of the guys, I should say, who are in the final year of their contract, who I don't see the Giants resigning, and who I think it makes sense to move. If they can get something decent, you know, a day three pick, you know, take what you can get for them. Don't don't sit there and hold out and expect a first round pick for some of these guys. The, those day three draft picks are just as valuable because you can package them up if you want to move up or down in the draft. So hopefully the Giants changed their philosophy on that. All right. So let's talk about the prospects. And the first two will help save the Giants a lot of cap money if they are moved by the trade deadline. And of course, I'm talking about safety, Jabril Peppers and tight end Evan Ingram. Now of those two, my guess is Peppers is the more likely to be moved if he is healthy. That is Peppers right now is dealing with that hamstring strain and um, he's got to get healthy before they even think about moving him. The reason why I say Peppers is more likely because more and more of his snaps have been going to Xavier McKinney with with some of the leftover going to Julian Love. And if Xavier McKinney is the future at that spot and Julian Love is going to continue to be the, you know, the Johnny on the spot type of guy who can do all that stuff, what do you really need Peppers for? I mean, I know he's a team captain. I like the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's a punt returner. But that's all. What he does right now, I think, is replaceable. And if the Giants can move him, I think they can maybe get back some of that salary cap. I think he's making close to $7 million this year. So, hey, the Giants are squeezed against the salary cap. See if he can get some of that money back so that you can get through the rest of the year. Because, heck, you don't want to keep restructuring contracts because now you're going to mortgage your future. All right, I mentioned Evan Ingram. And would the Giants move him? I know the Giant fans would love to see Evan Ingram moved. But with Caden Smith being on the injury report, it seems every week with a knee ailment, if I'm the Giants, I might be reluctant to move Evan Ingram. You know, as much as much as I think they could probably get something for him, and maybe even a, you know, I don't know if they could get a day two pick for him, but certainly I would think at least a, a high day three pick. I'm not so sure they move him. For the reason I just mentioned, you know, the guy's still very athletic. I think they still think they can tap into what he brings to the table, but 
you know, at this point, I don't see Evan Ingram being back with this team next year, nor should he be, by the way. The other guy I mentioned, and I don't think the Giants are going to move him because he's on his rookie deal. He doesn't cost a whole lot. But I mentioned him, and I'll tell you why, is Darius Slayton. Now, to me, you know, again, Slayton right now is uh, is on his rookie deal. He's not a huge cap hit. But with that said, you've got Galladay, you've got Ross, you've got Tony. Those are three deep threats, which Slayton is. Do you really need all four? I mean, you can't get the, the ball to everybody every game. So you have an excess here. And I know, you know, the second they trade away a receiver, there's going to be injuries. And right now, speaking of injuries, Slayton, of course, is dealing with a hamstring. So nobody's going to touch him. I don't think they move him. But if the Giants were looking to maybe clear out some space and maybe, you know, have the money to, I don't know, extend John Ross, for example, if he continues to play well, that would be an approach I would take. What do you got to lose? All right. Next story that we're keeping an eye on. Will Daniel Jones continue growing? All right. We saw the Daniel Jones against the Saints that the Giants believed they were getting when they drafted him sixth overall in 2019. I mean, that was as gutsy of a performance as I have ever seen from Daniel Jones. And you would have to go back to his first start against Tampa Bay in 2019. to find a performance like that. All right. So that said, was that performance against the saints an outlier or is that what we're going to see moving forward? I'd like to think it's what we're going to see moving forward. Unlike the first one against Tampa Bay, where in retrospect, the signs were there that it was an outlier. Again, the inconsistent offensive line, not really having, you know, uh, a good supporting cast around him, the fact that he was in his first year in the system. So I think this time around, Daniel Jones is going to be in a better position to start stacking those types of performances moving forward. Now, once in a while, will he have a clunker? Probably. I mean, all quarterbacks have clunkers once in a while. But the trick is to have more good performances than clunkers. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then the final thing to keep an eye on, speaking of stories, has this Giants team finally turned the corner? Now, here's, a, a, I guess, a scary thought if you think about it. The Giants, as we know, are one in three as of this recording. But if Adoree Jackson makes that interception and Darius Slayton doesn't drop that ball, guess what? The Giants could be three and one right now. Seriously. And we're not talking about, you know, oh, have they turned the corner? Oh, the Giants are in third place or, you know, they're not in the Cowboys class, whatever, you know, all that negative stuff. The good thing about the mistakes the Giants have made that have cost them games is that they're all correctable. And I know coaches say that all the time. And we as media and and as fans, we sit there and we say, la-di-da, you correct one mistake and then another pops up. I don't want to hear it, just get it fixed. But overall, I would say that the mistakes aren't as glaring as they were last year in terms of, you know, guys being out of place or or things like that. I think it it does boil down to the execution. And sometimes, yes, you have a, a screw up where, you know, an offensive lineman, for example, jumps early or a receiver 
or tight end drops the ball, basic stuff that they should be able to do at this point. But overall, I don't think the Giants had played really horrible football the first three weeks. I mean, you can make the argument that they did against the Falcons, maybe against the Broncos here and there, but a lot you saw a lot of good though in those games. You saw the the potential that if they that left you just thinking, gee, if they just put this together and clean up some of this sloppiness, they might actually be good. Now, again, this is all coming off of an encouraging win against the New Orleans Saints. The Giants have a tough schedule that lies ahead of of them. Can they stand toe-to-toe with this group that they are going to face? That's going to be the question. Now, I don't think the Giants are going to go on a run where they win all their remaining games. I don't see that happening. But what I want to see over these next few games that's going to tell me that they've turned the corner, can the Giants stand toe-to-toe with their competition? If they're getting blown out, then we know that the Saints game was a fluke. If they're staying competitive and losing by, you know, like a touchdown or less, then we can say that uh, they're turning the corner and they're cleaning up some of these mistakes and that brighter days are hopefully ahead. All right, Giant fans, that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. I want to thank you again for tuning in checking us out on YouTube. If you uh, are watching this show or if you're listening to us, wherever you get your podcast, we do appreciate you making us our your first listen of the day. And make sure you check out some of our other great podcasts, Locked on NFL, Locked on Today, Locked on Bets. We've got so many, can't go wrong. So check those out. And if you are watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and like the channel. We're getting close to that that lollipop mark. So when I get it, trust me, I'll let you guys know. All right, Giant fans, that'll do it for me. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a great weekend. David Turner joins me on Monday to break down the Giants at Dallas. We'll see you then.